You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Black Hair in the Big Leagues. I'm your host, Alicia Thomas. And you guys, ooh, we got a superstar. We got a superstar on today. All right, listen up. She made her Broadway debut way back when in Hair on Broadway. She was OBC, come on through, for Leap of Faith, Big Fish. She toured with Rent, and she's always just done leading. She's just always been a leading woman. Okay, most recently... (laughs) casual starring as Eliza in Hamilton on Broadway right before the shutdown um and she's also starred in multiple off-Broadway productions she's appeared on television she also has voiced uh cartoon a cartoon character called Netasa in She-Ra and the Princesses of Power and she was just recently in a Hallmark Christmas movie at a time folks when we needed Christmas movies more than Ever starring other Broadway stars like Aaron Devet and Laura Osnes called One Royal Holiday Holiday. But what I'm most excited about is y'all, before I moved to New York City, right before I had come out here to visit the city and I was seeing a bunch of Broadway shows, and my friend Deshaun Young was in Motown on Broadway, and I went to see him and I was just so in I was so in awe of the entire production and all everyone who was a part of it, but the Diana Ross who was who was playing that night was just so sparkly and beautiful and flawless and and honestly perfect. And I'm so excited because she's my guest today. You guys put your hands together for Crystal, Crystal Joy Brown. Welcome. No, no, you can't start it off like that where I'm already like, I'm like, wait, was it me? (laughs) Yes, 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 mama. It was you. Oh my God. No, that's really beautiful. Thank you. I mean, you know, especially in a time when we can't do our craft, you know, it's like, it's, it's so easy to feel devalued or like what you do is an essential work, right? Like, and all of these different things. So hearing that I impacted you in any way or anyone in any way is like it all it gives me 
life. It gives me like motivation. So that's um, that's huge. And thank you for saying that. And I'm I'm glad that you got to experience like love Deshaun. He's like one of the kindest, warmest yes. human beings. Yes, he so, is. So you know, we were really blessed with. I mean, that show was the black show of the time. You know, like right. there's always one or maybe two if we're lucky. Um, and so that was kind of that moment. And it was just so ap- amazing to be playing a black superstar, you know, like to be playing and, and to watch all of my friends playing black superstars. Right. It was just a different vibe, you know, like we get saddled with so many frustrating stories a lot of times. And so just to see like black excellence on display Honey. was just like for me, because like, you know, sorry to jump, but like going, no. doing that show like it was funny because I, being in the Broadway industry for a while, I had heard such bad reviews. The reviews were bad, all of this stuff. And so I was like, oh, I guess it's not that great of a show. And then I went, you know, and I, I saw the show and I was just blown away. I was blown away and I was like, oh, it was because he wasn't allowed to like, or he didn't allow like regular Broadway standards. Like he didn't, you know, do all of these things that are normal for the Broadway producer. So people kind of shut him out and Barry? decided to, yeah, Barry, Barry Gordy. Gordy. Yeah, Barry Gordy. Um, so people kind of shut him out and downplayed the show and it was incredible. And No, it was incredible. Yeah, I don't think it got like the press and the the reviews that it deserved, but, you know, I'm proud. I'm just so proud of that one. That's one thing that I'm always, like, I love Eliza, obviously, and we'll go into that, I'm sure, but like- right. My 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 full fledged black pride was sitting watching the show and then taking on the role and then watching every person come in and be excellent. I mean that show, everyone that Hamilton ha- had or has like came from Motown, you know. And I think we needed Hang-a. that. Yeah, I mean, interesting. Look, yeah, really. It, 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 a lot of the the people that have replaced have been like Motown, you know. Um, and I think that we needed that to like gain that like confidence and star power in order to go into something so complicated. And that's something that I want to ask you about. I wasn't going to jump into this right away, but like a lot of, (laughs) I mean, you've been, but I've seen like your resume, you're doing lead characters, like out the gate. You started with national tour of Brent as Mimi, right? Yeah, I was 19 and I was touring. Um, yeah, that was my I Rent was the musical that got me into musical theater and I went to school. I just I graduated early. I did school from in where? Um I went to Amda in New York. Okay. So I'm originally from Virginia and then I went to high school in LA and then I was like I'm going to do college in New York and at the time you could and you can still do the school really quick. Um, but I did conservatory and I did it for a year and a half. You could do it in two years, but I was like, I'll just go through the summer. I just wanted to live. Um, yeah. And I, and I started college when I was like 16. So I was doing college and high school at the same time. So I kind of had, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Who are you? What? (laughs) What do you mean you were doing college and high school at the same time? How does that even cross your brain? Like, this is something that I'm going to do. Like, yeah, well, honestly, it was because I came from Fairfax County Schools in Virginia, which are some of the best in the country and the nation. And uh, and then when I moved to Los Angeles, like they just didn't have the curriculum, like they just didn't have what I had already been doing. So they were like, "Well, we can put you in the Jumpstart program at uh, GCC, which is Glendale Community College." So I just was like, "All right." So I started going to college instead. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So when you were in college or even in high school. Did you, where did this confidence come from to play 
lead after lead, name after name. Where did, has that always been a part of you? Oh my have God. always been confident, Crystal? <laughs> no. No. Confidence is like a muscle that like really gets weak easily. You have to constantly yes. be working on it. Um, and I think it's uh, – Yeah, I I think especially like when you're young, I had this like blind confidence. I was like, once I realized that it was just human beings like being cartoon characters or human beings on TV, because I I really separated myself from watching things. I was like, oh, that's a whole other like class of beast, you know, like that's a whole other creature, you know, those magnificent beings are other creatures. That's what I thought when I watched you, Crystal. Oh. Thank you. But you're not any different from me. And all I do is tap, like, honestly, what I think I do is I I try to tap into my humanness as best as possible, which then, like, fuels me in a weird way. Like, that's the, that's, I I feel like I I feel the collective consciousness of our, of our, um, of our audience and I get fed from that. And sometimes, like, you know, being an empath, you know, can actually hurt you because if you're like, oh, all these people are tired, hungry because it's been raining or they've been standing, you know, you're like, oh, now I don't want to take that on. So I have to like create my own energy. Um, wow. But I also like, I love, I love storytelling. You know, I think that that's the number one thing that I've become um, is a storyteller. Like I look at, I look at work and I look, at it from the perspective of a writer, as a director, like the why. Um, I really, if you, like, you named all of the stuff that I've been in, and, and most of it is historical. Um, right. Most of it, yeah, most of it is based in fact, because I love history. I love, um, I love the human condition and, like, our psychology, right? Like, I tell any of my students or whenever I, like, get to speak to schools and stuff, like, this is the study of psychology. It's the study of human behavior. This is what we're doing is we're trying to figure out why these people do what they did, right? Even if you're like playing a, a serial killer, right? You're like, what is the machinations of like my mind that are moving to do that? And it's all within us, you know, it's all part of the human experience. So I always love studying like human behavior and and, and psychology. And I think it's like, that's interesting to bring even into an audition, like, why like any any acting coach would be like well why are you doing this what happened before what's motivating all this stuff it's like yeah so I really like to play in my imagination like I think that that's you know like Nixon said fake it till you make it right like that is actually a Nixon quote um and it's but it's true I did not know that that came from him yeah everyone said that's why I cite it and I'm like just let's remember who these some of these things come from but that's definitely um (laughs) yeah so, so, but it is, it is like you do kind of have to fake it. I mean, even when I first started, this guy in my acting class who was a lot older than me and helped me find my first agent manager was like, yeah, you got to lie on your resume. You got to say that you've done some productions. And I was like, what? what? Yeah. Yeah. So I had a whole bunch of things on my resume that were not like that, not like that, not like a ton, but like five things, just so it seemed like I had done something somewhere. Where, yeah. Did you ever like? What would you? Do? I totally like, lied. If, if anybody, because I've been stopped. Like, Salisha, wait. Can you explain this on your resume? And I'm like, oh gosh. Oh yeah, I mean, like they were they were like smaller things. They were like, oh Glendale, da da da, or this place that you know that people were like, oh you know, 
okay, we've seen she's done something. We're not going to investigate. I wasn't like, I sang at the Kennedy Center, but like it's nothing major. It's like little things that, you know, or like little student film because I don't want people to know that I have no experience. Like I know that that sounds insane and that is like, but that's honestly, when I was 19 years old, that was the best advice I could get just so that my resume wasn't blank. I had to be like, okay, I did a couple student films. I did a couple of the, you know, and I am a type of person who I learn by experience. I like to touch the fire, you know, like I like to figure out that way. And I'm a fast learner. And that's how I knew that if I was going to fake it, that I could at least, I'm a quick study. Like, I'm like, oh, that didn't work or, oh, that works, do that, you know? So that's how I knew that if I kind of fudged my resume in the beginning, that I would figure out, like, what exactly is upstage or downstage? I mean, my school did teach me that. I'm just kidding. My school taught me that. (laughs) But what my school teaches and what my school taught me was, like, to get the job and to be a worker and to be a workhorse. Like, it doesn't – it was not enough time to sit and be like, what's my process or what kind of creator am I? I'm like, no, I'm a churner outer. <laughs> like I'm a digester and doer. That's what I like learned. Like people who have the four-year college experience can kind of sit in and figure out who they are. I was like, well, it's going to be trial and error for me. Like, and that's just wow. how it's been kind of. Yeah. Just kind of going full force and see like, just yeah. see what happens, what sticks, what. And, and, and also like this, I don't know where it, it came from it kind of like waned and then like has come back as I've like grown into my new version of myself. But I did have a very bizarre sense of like entitlement. I'm, I I did. I think that that. Since when? Starting when? Young. Oh. Very young. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if it was just my family being like, you can do whatever you want. And it, maybe it was, and maybe it was my grandmother being like, I just traveled to Africa. I just went to Australia. I just did this. Like, and being like an example of like, I can travel the world. I can do anything I want. I'm a boss. Like you, like, I think it may have been that, that helped me, you know. I mean, honestly, I feel like my white male friends, they, that is something that they just kind of have. And let me tell you too, like I was a big reader and I was reading books written by white men, you know, like growing up. And I think that I got a little bit of that entitlement from that, you know, because I was off all over the world. Like I have traveled a lot and I've been like, yeah, what you do is you you call a friend and you backpack, you do these things. And like they're not things that are – that especially at the time were like not indicative of like the black experience. But I was like, okay, like I can do whatever I want too. And having like the first black president, it just like – I was like, right. oh, I'm allowed to do whatever the hell I, I want to do. <laughs> You know, with Kamala, I was like, wait, I think I'm five, four, but right now I feel five, seven. I was yes. very tall. Like, yes, even now I have my Amanda yeah. Gorman, like headband you on. Incredible. Like, yes. Like, yes, black excellence. And yeah. it's just, the more of it, the better. I'm like, let's make this not an anomaly. Like, let's make black excellence just across the board and one of the things that I love about you Crystal is like of course I did a deep dive before talking to you today and you were like standing for black lives matter LGBTQ everything like trans lives before it was on trend before it was like okay it's cool to stand up for this you didn't just start this year or last year like that's always kind of been a part of like you your brand or what you feel what you stand for like Am I right? Am I wrong? Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. Because, um, 
Yeah, even with hair, you know, like we went and marched in Washington for uh, uh, gay marriage and equal rights then. But the even hair, yeah, the show. We actually all took the bus. We all drove down to Washington and we marched and we sang "Let the Sunshine In" on the steps of the Capitol. Oh. Um, and and that was in two thousand nine. Um, but like even before that, you know, my whole family's pretty much government and um, not political, but have just worked. You know, my my family members have all served um, in some regard, and there's been a level of like patriotism slash like we have to be the ones to pull ourselves up. My aunt actually went to Howard and was an AKA and was Come with, on. with Kamala Harris. No. Yeah. She passed away a couple of years ago from cancer, but we like went through, we were like, we know she went to the same time. We know she was also an AKA, like what? And then we just found the, the, the receipts, you know, and we're just like, man, another amazing thing about my aunt. Um, so wow. yeah. Awesome. So it's always been, you know, about speaking your mind, speaking up for people. I never, I guess like also I was raised to, I was raised around a lot of different personality types, a lot of different cultures, a lot of different orientations that it wasn't bizarre to me. What was bizarre was when I stepped out of my bubble and was like, oh, like for a while at my church, my black church, we had a white lesbian minister, you Whoa, know, really? we had, yes. And at, we all had a black church. Oh, it was. And, and for most of us, it was fine, but then they were kind of ousted, but that was the minister who actually got me connected to God and actually made me believe in God in a way that felt real and true and a loving presence that like shaped and changed my life. And I was like, that person can't be bad just because they love different than how you guys say to love. Um, and so it was seeing that also at a young age where I was like, people I appreciate and care about, you know, happen to be outside of quote unquote the norm and they're either ostracized or removed or, you know, or especially when I stepped out of my bubble, I saw like the level of hate. Like I hadn't really experienced racism in Alexandria, Virginia, where it is extraordinarily diverse um, until I got to Los Angeles, where it is literally to me the most segregated place that I've ever been. In um, LA. Yeah. I mean, it's just extremely segregated. Like the on the streets, it's delineated basically. Um, and and already it's an isolated city. And then you have like, this is where the black people live. This is where the Jewish people live. This is where the Ethiopians live and the Koreans and the, you know, rich white people, rich white Jewish people. I mean, it's just very, very specific and you can really feel the different lines. Um, so, you know, even when, when uh, 2016 happened and the election happened and I was just <gasps> floored, I mean, I, I, I really did crawl into a, a really deep depression. Like I was sad. I was crying like every single day. I just didn't believe it because I had watched this man, one, commit treason, you know, ask Russia to spy on our uh, potentially elected officials. Yeah. I, I watched him talk about people with different abilities and mock them. I watched him talk about women in this disgusting way. And then, you know, and then I was furious because I think why people were so furious is because we're all complicit. We've all allowed this. We've all allowed these behaviors. We've all allowed this to become to the front and center. Yeah. And um, and in some, I think everyone felt sick to their stomach who was like shocked because we were like, wow, like we were complacent. You know, we were even complacent with o Obama's presidency and we were like, okay, I can sit back and just enjoy the, the imagery of, 
you know, a black person reaching to the very top and not really like, okay, now we got to really dig in grassroots and do all this work that we're now doing right now. So a friend of mine and I, like we started a, uh, like a political feminist podcast and we talked to people who are, you know, game changers and to give yeah, us like- what was that called? How we do this. Yeah. How we do this. Yeah. And, um, and, and it was just about getting potentially, uh, specifically women to come and talk about how they've a- achieved outside of like beyond, you know, difficulties and setbacks. And we talked to producers like Effie Brown, who produced the the film, um, Dear White People. And she just, and like these people were telling the most vulnerable areas of their stories. Like I was broke producing that movie. I had nothing like, you know, like just explaining how they move forward because I was like, we feel broken. And, and there's a shame in feeling broken. And we also, um, you know, and we just deep dived into how we can move forward and how we like talk to game changers to like help us get motivated. It was really as like an inspiration dose. And we did two seasons and then my, my, partner got pregnant again and she was oh. like this is and then I moved to Boston to do a play so it kind of like fizzled but we were we were like you know every protest rally women's march all that stuff um we were a part of it and excited to like highlight it and talk about it and just be a part of uni- uniting and also making sure that we have to check some of this stuff you know like we we have allowed a lot of these things to happen. Like I think the women's movement happened when they were like, oh my gosh, like I've actually been a part of harassment in the workplace. I've actually like when you stopped and were like, oh, this isn't normal. It's not normal for me to be talked to like this or it's not normal for me to feel this way. Um, so I've always had a calling to stand up for a little peop- the, the little guy, right? Like um, uh, on playground, I was that person who bullied the bullies. And, and I, I just think that it's – you, you know, I did. I was like, if I saw a ki- if I saw a group of people around, like huddling around, like the kid who bruises easy, I was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, nope, not on my watch. We'll be right back, right after the break. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Okay, so wait, Crystal, I have a question for you. Have you yeah. ever felt like, and it seems like you... It seems like there is no door that you can't go through. But I do want to know and ask, like, has have you ever felt affected by being a black woman in like has that have you ever felt held back? Oh, my God. Have I ever felt held back? Yeah. I mean, after playing Diana Ross, I like hit a glass ceiling, you know, like the Hamilton had already been cast. There was really I, I the show closed in 2015 and there was really like nowhere for me to go. and you know, like that was like an equal playing field. I was like, I can maybe like jump in and try to do like a smaller role on a show that's already going, you know, like you have to think about those things. Like, it's like, do I make a lateral move? Do I do a step down? Because like this industry is deciding what your like, what your next move is, is your achievement and nothing matters behind you, right? Like you are as good as your next job. And, And so that started to get in my head in a very bizarre way and in a very like toxic way. And, um, 
And I was like, and I was also burnt out. Like I was also burnt out from Broadway. Like if if you if you guys don't know, like Broadway is six days a week. It's eight shows a week. Like you're right. very familiar with that schedule, that Broadway schedule. And then it's not even just that. Like that sounds hard enough, but then like it's events, it's charity things, it's press things. It's the stage door. <laughs> yeah, it's the stage door. It's the hours of like entertaining and smiling and you know, doting around and playing the game. It's just the whole thing is exhausting. Um, And then also while you're in that job, you're looking for your next job. You know, you're auditioning. You're like, you're still trying to like survive. And that's the thing about being an artist. Like you are in survival mode all the time. I was like, I said to someone in an interview recently that I was like, I think actors are kind of the best made for this situation of like shutdown because we're used to working than not working, you know, like we're used to <laughs> kind yeah. of used to that in a, in a really messed up way. Um, right. You know, give us our jobs back, please wear a mask. But like, you know, please. yeah, oh, but you know, yes, I've, I've, I've co- often felt like, oh, I'm black or I was often and still am often like the black option, you know, they're like, oh, she's not like, especially five years ago or so, like where it was right. like, oh, we don't want that aggressively black Right. I know what you're talking about. And, you know, who speaks with a standard American accent. It's like, you know, that – so I was like, okay. And then I oftentimes have gone through and been like, am I black enough? I'm not black enough. I'm this, I'm that. Like, and you look at that and you're like, what kind of black do they want? Like, you're actually thinking about these higher-ups, these potentially white men of networks going – well, what kind of black is appropriate for this? You know, and you're thinking, what should my hair be like because of this black right. situation? Like, what do you do in that? Am situation? I a black person with braids? Am I a t- like? It's it's a very bizarre way because you're trying to figure out what what white people think of blackness, and that is, and then you're looking at yourself through that lens too because you're also just trying to live and work, right? You're trying to survive, <laughs> and you want to do what you love to do without becoming a traitor. Without be like losing your identity, like nothing is ever going to tell anybody that I'm not a black woman, you know, and I had to remember that for myself. You know what I mean? Like, because especially during this time where we're like, well, what is black? What does that qualify? Like, who is black? And I'm like, me, I am like clearly (laughs) 100% like a descendant of slavery. Like that's, yes, whatever the characterization, like am I less black if I don't speak with a Southern accent or if I don't like, no, I am a black woman. And the, the thing about being black is that it is so vast and beautiful and can be all of the things. And we have such a stretch of what, of our experiences. And that's what needs to be on display is like the level of depth of like our experiences, which is finally happening, you know, which is like, there's so many shows that are coming out that are showing like what's happening, but like, for especially the beginning part of my career, I had to fit into a box that was like, can I be the acceptable black person in this role if it's like all white people? I was oftentimes the only black person in a show. Um, and even my understudies were white to show Interesting. you. Like even for Big Fish, like for Big Fish, I played the wife of the son and I didn't even make it onto the billboard of the, of the, yeah, like it was like they showed the family, but not me. And I'm like, oh, interesting. Interesting. Because, and we were, when, even when we were taking the photos, like I was like, I am not in these photos. And I'm principal. I'm a principal of this show. And I am not, 
Like they'd be like, okay, let's just do some with the core family. And then like, well, now you come in. And it was just the four of us at the photo shoot. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I think that it, lots of times I've been held back because of my race, but then also like, then maybe some people will look at my career and be like, well, she got lucky. She was chosen a few times. I'm like the level of isolation and frustration and, you know, learning to just be like more of a worker bee in, on Broadway than like, I'm going to be like a part of the community was the sacrifice of that, you know, um, because uh, of being alone. So very interesting points that you've brought up. Uh, one thing I do want to touch on is that as black women, you did mention this, we can wear our hair any kind of, like we can do straight hair, we can do weaves, we can do wigs, we can do natural, we can do textures, all the things. And I love, your hair is always very like sleek and sexy. And uh, what draws you to wearing straight hair a lot of the time? Well, I don't mean to, okay, so I'm black and Puerto Rican. And let me tell you about my curls, okay? My, I've been having a curl journey First of all, I chopped my hair off. So my hair was really long when I grew up. Like it was like past the middle of my back, really long. And then when I, I of course, moved to New York and I wanted to be edgy and I chopped my hair like to my chin and it just like never really grew back the same way. So like I- Were they curls or were they straight? They were, it was straight. Like I was like flat ironing it because especially at the time, like curls weren't, people didn't understand curly hair, right? Right, They were like- what is that? You know, and people were really looking at like Carrie Washington, like yeah. what's that? That's kind of, that was like our template at the time. Right. Sanaa Lathan, like, you know, it wasn't like curly hair like was not a I, thing for a right. while. You right. know what I mean? Like now, like now I just did a movie where I was like, I want to wear my curly hair and I had auditioned with straight hair. Oh. And I was like, I want to wear curly hair. And they were like, well, let's see it. And I showed it to them and they were like, okay. And I was also filming in 90 degree weather. And I was like, there's no way that like, this is, you know, um, and I, you know, for me, like my, so growing up, relaxed my hair, didn't really understand that. Like that wasn't like a, it wasn't a thing. It was just like, you relax your hair. Everybody relaxed their hair. I'm from Virginia. That's what you do. And so like my curls, yeah. So my curls are like, they're like, I haven't relaxed my hair in years now and my hair has finally grown. Um, thank you. Nutrafol. Like literally like, yeah, Nutrafol is a, yeah, it's a, it's a pill, but it's like, you can, it's a vitamin. Um, and it helped my hair get thicker because stress and, um, now my hair is like really, really thick and growing. Um, but like just the level of stress and the level of just like damaging my hair with various things, during the pandemic, my hair has grown so much because I'm not doing anything to it. Nice. Um, but also my hair doesn't really curl much. Like my hair is very thin. Um, so it doesn't actually like – I wish I had like more of a textured curl. It just doesn't really do it. Like, Wait. When did you like – I didn't mean to cut you off. No. When did you decide to stop getting a relaxer? Like what was that? Oh, like three years ago I think it was – yeah. Because I mean I started to understand – well, really my whole journey with chemicals and all kinds of things, it's like a bigger, broader thing um, for me at this point in my life. Like I tried to only do all natural, everything, sustainable, everything. We love, and I, we love. Yeah. And when I, you know, the more that you know, the better you can do. So the more I started learning about what that's doing to myself and then me asking the question of like, why, why do I do that? I was like, I don't, my hair, if I flat iron my hair, 
Like this is just a simple flat iron. If I flatter my hair, by the way, thank you. But in the winter, I can do this. The summer, no. Um, (laughs) Like that's it. Um, So like if I and I'm like I need to look at what's in this formaldehyde, all this stuff that was just like uh, and what it does to your scalp. And I was like, this isn't a growing. I'm not nourishing myself by this. Like I had to do it with my foods. Like I'm vegan now. I'm completely plant based. Um, But I've been vegetarian since I was 10 years old. Really? I don't know. I made really strong decisions at a young Very age. Very strong decisions. Yeah. Like my family was like chitlins, ham hocks, you know, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to be vegetarian. And they're like, "How? what? So you eat you- chicken? And I was like, nope, I don't eat chicken. <laughs> you just decided that for yourself. Yeah. Have yeah. you all, you, it sounds like you've always stood in your truth. You're like, this is who I am and I'm going to just do this. Yeah. Kind, I mean, kind of, I think, you know, I, I, I think everything's like genetically connected, you know? Um, so I, I, I think because my dad was like a six degree black belt, like he had a level of discipline work uh, that like, you know, that boggles my mind, you know? So I think that that was, that's a big part of, of my ability to go, mm, no, I'm not doing that anymore. Four and a half years ago, I decided to cut out alcohol completely. So, you know, that was and another. And no alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Just, just taking life on life. Wait, wait, wait. So wait, when you're on a red carpet, when you're at a, an opening night party or any yeah. kind of gala, how do you navigate? I'm just trying to figure out, like, how do you navigate not drinking, not eating the junk? Like, it looks good. It smells good. It's free. What do you do? Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot, especially, yeah, there's been a lot of those moments, but it's like, I love people. So I, I still enjoy going to a bar. Like I still enjoy that energy. Um, but once I'm bored, I just leave instead of like, it used to be like, once I'm bored, I just keep drinking and make it fun. And now I just leave. I'm like, Oh, let me go do something else. And I just go. And if I'm hungry, I'll go eat somewhere else. You know, like, I'm like, I, I feel like some of the, especially like these events, they're like, they're obligations for work. They're not necessarily obligations for me to like get my life and joy at. And I think that that was like also a problem in my career. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was thinking that this is where I get my joy, these people, this community, like my industry. But I'm like, that's not really where I get my sustenance. So if I start leaning into that, those like things that don't make me feel good, I'm not, Yeah, it just doesn't bring me that kind of same joy and satisfaction as like going and getting a really great meal with my people that I love. Your people. You made it sound so simple, Crystal. You're like, when I am bored, I I just leave. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was always like the last person at a party. Like that was my thing. Like I could close out the box. That is me today. Okay, like I'm that I was that girl and I love her and I am so happy I was her and I I'm and I get her, you know How what I mean? How to not be that? Like yeah. I didn't I think I could never. I didn't think I could ever like not be her. I never thought that I would like move to LA and be like I'm in a teepee, you know, meditating with my ancestors. <laughs> like I did not think I was that girl, but I'm totally a hippie who like I want to sit in meditation. I want to like go deeper with people. Presence to me is everything. Like I like for people to be present because I'm going to give you 100% of my time and attention. My Which phone you is are on airplane right now. <laughs> my phone is on airplane mode. Okay. Like I, I want to give people what they deserve. Like time is so precious. It's the only thing we can't get back, you know? So 
I try to be precious with my time and I try to be present with my time. So if you get me and you get my time, like that to me is the most precious thing you can get. And I'm not trying to, I always realize like for me with like alcohol, I was always trying to like make things better, right? I wanted to make, I wanted to make it the best night of my life. I wanted to make it the best, but I didn't really know what that felt like. I don't think I really knew what true, true, true joy felt like until I was just like literally going for like a walk by myself and like something hit my chest and I just cried from the beauty of life. Like didn't think that was a thing. I th- I've heard of people saying ridiculous things like that her. before, but I hadn't really experienced it for myself. And I was like, oh, like, damn, like, I think I've been missing out on some real, 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 real good stuff by trying to constantly make things better than they actually are. But I, so I couldn't see how great they actually were and how beautiful they actually were. So now it's like, if I go to something, if I'm somewhere, like you get my full attention. I and I'm like, I'm really there. And I can still, I still, I love to dance. I love to party. People are like, oh my God, what are you having tonight? And I'm like, girl, I'm having life. You know, like wow. I'm dancing. I'm just making yes. my own choices, whether they are good or bad. I live with them. You know, like I've still made bad choices while being sober. And I've just been like, right. <laughs> okay. Like, but, it, but but it's my choice, you know, and now I'm and now I know. Um and even though, like, the stuff is free, I bring it home for my puppy. Wow. Okay, sidebar, this one's just, this one's just for me. Like, if you're, if you're like, on, like, a romantic date, how do you not, like, okay, we're going to have a glass of red wine. I just feel like that's part of the, part of the mood, part of the, like, how do you say no to that? What do you Oh, my God, do? yeah. Dating and alcohol. Woof. Yeah. It is not easy. Like, um, you know, I've had, I've actually been lucky where I've had, like, a, especially when I stopped drinking, I was dating someone who didn't drink, who like just who had his first drink at 30 and I like just never drank really. Like it was really a special occasion. So that was really easy. But then like dating, you know, and like I'm in a relationship with someone right now who drinks and it's just kind of like, it, it's a, it's hard. Like it's not, it's not always easy. You know, I try to just, I, as I've been vegetarian now completely plant-based for my whole life, like these are not, everybody else's decision. My, I don't say, well, I eat vegan, so therefore you are a loser and an idiot. Like I'm like, these are my personal choices that have nothing to do with you. And when they start to impact our relationship, like that's when, that's when I bring something up, you know? Okay. But like, I, I, I know that I've made many a man nervous by being like, so by the way, I don't drink. And they're like, well, what are we going to do? I'm like, guess we're just going to have to really connect. You know, wow. and then you, you, and then it's like, and everyone's really nervous, and it's like nerve wracking because I and I'm nervous too because it's not like super easy, but I'm just like, yeah, I'm gonna just tell you, and I'm gonna be cognizant of the fact that I'm telling you things about myself, and I'm connecting with you in a real way or a not real way. You know, like there's no synthetic potion that will potentially move this further along before we're actually ready to. Like we're actually just gonna, and y'all get what I'm saying. <laughs> But like, you know, this is actually like if I'm choosing to like you, if we're like really, really connecting, then we're really, really going to hook up and it's really, really going to be great. And like mindful sex. So one of the one of the um, one of the people that came on my podcast is a woman who wrote a book called Mindful Sex. And that changed my whole thinking about sober sex, you know, and just sex in general, like how we check out or how we use it as a coping mechanism and how we can check in and how it can be so much more pleasurable. I, I, I recommend everybody practice mindful sex because you can even have mindful casual sex. Um, and it's mm-hmm. way better and you feel way less gross afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> 
We'll be right back right after the break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you prefer when you're in a show to be wigged or not? Wigged. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Yeah. wigged because I don't want to think about my hair. Now I just have them pull the hairline down so that it's not affecting my edges. Oh, go on. Talk about this. What? Yeah. So, and I, and if it's necessary to put a, just a, a little bit of glue, because what happens is when you are wrapping your hair up and wrapping those, you're, and they're digging those pins into your edges of your hair, you're pulled like my edges after Diana Ross was a tragic. Okay. Like, I'm telling you, this has been a regrowth journey. I'm it looks show good, you. Crystal. But, but like, it, this is, I'm still working on her, but like, <laughs> I see you. But they're coming in. Um, But like, uh, so now I pin, but like we put the hairline down and we just, you know, we really tack it on the sides, but like making sure that the the front is protected. Um, So yeah, I prefer to be wigged so that my hair can be wet and curly underneath and, um, and be like, I can, I will have like a deep condition and I just do multiple wig caps going on while I'm doing my, like, yeah. So I've changed my whole philosophy on how I wear my wigs and what's happening with my hair underneath. Okay. Wait, I got a million questions. Hold on. Okay. You mentioned mentioned glue. Um, Mm -hmm. How do you glue your show wig when you probably have multiple show wigs? Do you? Not in, no, Eliza does not. Oh, in, in Hamilton. Yeah. In Hamilton, I have one wig and we have three different styles. It is honestly the most basic other uh, well hair was pretty basic like we barely wore anything and that was it um but other than that like this show is the most basic cloth costumes and hair oh. and makeup that I've ever ever had so I'm just That's like this is a yeah I was like with Motown I had like 22 costumes 12 wigs you know it was crazy so this, yeah, this is a walk in the park. So, and, and I just, wow. you have to come in with a level of like, so, and polite, very polite. This is what I need. This is how I like it. This is what, like, help me make this work because then I won't be a nightmare. You know what I mean? Like, help me make this work. Like, I know this works for me and what I don't want is this. And then like, they can hear that. You know what I mean? Like, and and you even saying words like, well, this will be more sustainable for me in the long run if you can help me figure out a way to to curl up my hair that won't pull my edges or blah, blah, blah. 
So you're saying advocate for yourself. Yeah. And do it kindly. Always. I am always sure constantly advocating for myself and trying to do it respectfully and and politely and not like, you don't know my hair. You don't get this. Like, no, I, they don't know your hair. They don't get it. So I have to talk to people as if they don't get it. Not condescending, but like, so with my hair and like this. Yeah, like, like in every show that you've done or have you been in a Broadway show where you're like, oh, they get it. Have you felt that way? Mm, <laughs> Not the cricket. Yes. No, no, no. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, with Motown, I think that they got it, but I didn't get it yet. Like I oh, didn't okay. get it. Fair. You know, like I didn't know how to take care of myself to to this level yet, you know? So I think that like – I also think that as women and as actors, like we were trying to get everyone to – believe that we are agreeable and easy, especially as black women. We're like, hi, I'm, I'm not an aggressive black woman, you know, like, like hire me, work with me, blah, blah, blah. So it's exhausting. It, yeah. There's a level of like playing that game. And I think that we come in and we should be strong and we should be, you know, um, we should be knowledgeable most of all about ourselves. What is sustainable? What can we do eight shows a week? What, what is our paycheck that we can live off of that feels appropriate? Um, like I've had big stars, friends of mine who are like, how much are you getting paid in Hamilton? Cause I'm about to pay, be paid this. And, um, in another show, that's a leading role. How do, and, and being like, I'm like, what do you need for you? Do you need massages? Do you need care? Do you need this, that, and the other? Like what we need to really be looking at who we are across all industries, what we need to sustain and what we need to build a life that makes us feel the best. But that means first going within and knowing what you need, how you can like manufacture your and your own happiness and joy, and then telling everyone around you how to wow. keep you in balance. So good, Crystal. <laughs> Crystal, this is so, so good. I've already taken so many notes. Like while you're talking, I'm like, Salisha, you have to give the interview. You can take <laughs> notes when you're editing. Like truly, it's, it's so inspiring. But you also mentioned about your wig prep. Yeah. Oh, some conditioner. Do you do a wet wig prep? Like what are you doing? Well, I mean- Typically, I mean, sometimes I take a bath before the show. So if I take a bath before the show, then my hair might be a little bit wet. I prefer not to have my hair wet. Um, I'll try to like shake it out as much as possible and then just wrap it up, you know, put some coconut oil, put on my wig cap, like wrap it up in um, pin curls. And like I do the pin curls like differently, like doing it around the two fingers and putting uh -huh. it like that, which is something that actually Fred at, at, um, at Hamilton taught me, which gives it a little bit more space. So yeah. then, you know, and then my hair will kind of come out kind of cute, even though no one's going to see it because I all I do is the show when I'm doing the show. Question um, about yeah. your wig prep. When you're doing your wig prep, is it always with straight hair? Do you ever have natural hair? No, natural. Hair? No, 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 natural. A lot, most of the time. Most of the time. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And in fact, when I went in to get my wig fitted, like when they fit you and everything, I had my hair wet and curly and as big as possible. So I was like, this is what it will normally hopefully be like you know, um, so that this, they could really get the full texture of my hair. I didn't come in with straight hair because I didn't want them to make the wig too small so that right. I couldn't wear my hair natural and then I wouldn't be, un be comfortable. And I also like to put my microphone in my wig. So I like them to make it a little yes. bit bigger so that I have more space to move around. And it's like, it would be different on a different show. Eliza doesn't do any like backflips. I'm not dancing. Like right. I have very little risk of this thing falling off my head. So I, <laughs> you know, but I do like to I, – I will like deep oil my hair and um, and and he understands that. And I tell – I just try to 
I try to tell people in advance, you know, I'm like, I'm going to do deep conditioning. I'm going to have oils. Let me know if that's not okay with you. And if it's not, then, then that's okay. You know, and if it's not working, then I just, I just try to open the lines of communication up as soon as possible so that there's less like resentment, animosity or weirdness. Right. Right. Okay. So what I'm hearing is yeah. I, I noticed a lot of your photos, fo- you look gorgeous in literally every photo, one photo you posted on your timeline. And Uh-oh. I was like, oh, I love Diana Ross because I played Diana Ross in a show called Trevor <gasps> and it just moved to off Broadway. I'm not in that production. Wait, of it, I th- have I heard of this show? Okay. That's Maybe Trevor the Musical. It. It's It's such a great it's such a great show. But like when I look at Diana Ross, I am so inspired as well. And I was looking at this photo on your timeline. I'm like, oh, I just love her. Looked at the caption. I'm like, oh, my God, that's not Diana Ross. That's Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> you guys look so much, so much alike. Yeah, that was wild. That was, was really so wild. wild. Yeah. That is wild. But what I was getting at, I'm sorry, was – you have a lot of pictures on your timeline of like um, straight hair or, but it's what I'm, what I'm hearing is that you wear your natural hair quite a bit. 90% of the time. Yeah. That is so, so how do you, how do you care? I know it's a loaded question. How do you care for it while you're, well, even in this. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I, you know, I believe once again, supernatural stuff. Like I, coconut oil pretty much is my go-to for everything. Tea tree oil. Um, vitamin E. Those are pretty much the three things I use on my hair. I use Dr. Bonner's for almost everything. I mean, it's like- Dr. Bonner's? I don't even know what that is. It's, it's, you're going to look, oh, here it is. I have it right here because I'm about to wash my dog. Come on. Yeah, um, that. Yeah, this thing with all the writing. Um, Just a tiny, tiny bit. And um, and then I also like, I use um, Shidavi, Shidavi, which is um, vegan, black-owned company- yeah, they have they actually do have a growth pill as well. Um and I do like a pre-wash um I do that. I do uh or co-wash, sorry, co-wash. I do like a couple times a month I just do like a deep uh conditioner that they have. Um and then I use a lot of what do I use? Um Yeah, Shea Moisture, you know. I love Shea Moisture. That's one of my I'm yeah, like trying it's to like easy go to. Yeah, I know. It's an easy go to. Um, but yeah. also like I, I'm about to, I just ordered a whole bunch of stuff from Tracy Ellis Ross's stuff. Pattern. Um, pattern. I'm excited about pattern because I do want to start wearing my hair. Like right now, when my hair is curly, and I wore my hair in um one royal holiday. So, but but I just can't get consistent curls. And I did add a little extra clip-ins to make it fuller and thicker. And so once I've like, I feel like next summer, I'm really going to be rocking my natural curls in a bigger way. Cause right now it just doesn't look great curly. Like I got to go get a good curl cut. I got to go get like good yeah. curl maintenance. Yeah. Um, and once I get pattern and I can play with like right. my curl, cause like now my hair is not like none of it's relaxed anymore. Like, you know, when you're like, Oh, that yeah. part's relaxed. Right. This part's curly. Um, now it's like all curly, but I just still need to like I'm so excited for you. Thank you. It's a journey, girl. It's a journey. It's a journey. And also like when you, if you do decide to like actually like transition into wearing your hair like that naturally most of the time, like in public, all the things, like it is a journey and you got to be patient with yourself Mm -hmm. because it looks different. Like it's like, who is this girl? At least that's how I felt. Like who is this girl in the mirror 
because I was I straightened my hair every other week or when I was on tour with Beautiful before going to Broadway always and when I cut off everything and I'm like who is this person <laughs> yeah I mean it's hard because you're like trying to be the person that people want you to be and I think it's also like about allowing and accepting like it's deeper, you know, like I have body hair for the first time like ever in my life and I'm like, oh, I kind of like it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's like accepting of oneself in this like grander way and like especially after we've been been realizing like, oh my God, we're so indoctrinated in these ideals of what is beauty and what is what is femininity and I'm like, no, 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 no. Like whatever I am is feminine. Like whatever you are is feminine and beautiful. Like and so I'm trying to get more into the like – loving of my whole self, like as it is, as God created it, as God intended it to be. And I'm just like, okay, well, this is, this can't be a mistake, you know? God doesn't make mistakes. And so like I, why I'm trying to change a whole bunch of things about myself to fit some sort of sanitized version of beauty or acceptance or whatever is something that I'm going to be working on for a long time. And I think we all have to look within ourselves of being like, yeah. what is beautiful? What, who, who is, who is beautiful? And you are in beautiful. So you know all about the beauty of beautiful. <laughs> oh my goodness. That was beautiful. <laughs> Crystal. Um, I am going to let you go. I just want to say like, um, I know next month is black history month and woo, 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 like all of the things. What do you like? Are you ex- are you hopeful? Oh my God. For this year. I wouldn't exist without hope. Um, so, and I have to say, so Hamilton has done something extraordinary. We created the Hamilton Racial Justice Task Force. And, it, you know, in August, after everything happening with our society and people actually finally talking about systemic racism, and we're talking about it in our company, we're talking about it in the industry, and we're talking about it at large. We raised, you know, $3 million for the Biden campaign. We've made hundreds of thousands of phone calls. We wrote letters. We put, you know, got with a bunch of different organizations that I would probably not have had the ability to connect with in this way, like Until Freedom and MoveOn.org and Vote Writers. And, and then Ryan Vasquez from the show created Swing From Home. So like we got really active. And now, and this is kind of maybe shameful, but Hamilton had never celebrated Black History Month, even though Hamilton is a hip hop musical, like Uh-oh. based completely on from the hip hop culture, right? So this year we're doing a lot. And in fact, later on today, I'm interviewing Dr. Clarence B. Jones. Wow. Who was, you know, who was Martin Luther King's right-hand man. He's 90 years old as of like wow. a week and a half ago. And, you know, and I the opportunity to to share and to uplift black people this next month on the by using the Hamilton mega brand campaign is going to be so exciting. So we have so much stuff planned. We are we're definitely talking to Amanda to be like, hey girl, you want to like hang out with us? Right. Um, Amanda Gordon. Yes. 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 And she loves Hamilton. She's like, you know, she's done a lot with the company already. So we're going to be doing a lot. I, I'm hopeful that hearts and minds are changed, will change. But like my word for this year, which I try to have a, a year, a, a word every year, my word for this year is accountability. And that means personally, I have to be accountable for me, my actions and what my dreams are, making them happen. And also holding other people accountable for, you know, what they say that they want to do or who, who they say that they are. So I'm excited to see Hamilton showing us all who they really are and what they believe in and being a part of that change. 
And I am hopeful that more hearts and minds will change. We got to do a lot of loving deprogramming out there. We've got to do from the black community ourselves as well. We have to love ourselves. We have to get out of a slave mentality as well. Like we have to remember we are chosen and lovely and amazing beings. We are descendants of greatness, you know, like not descendants of slaves. We are descendants of absolute magnificent greatness. And we have to deprogram people who believe in this divide. So we can only do that by loving ourselves, loving each other, and and random acts of kindness. So I'm I'm hopeful. Amen to that. Crystal Joy Brown, everyone. Thank you for joining <laughs> us. Thank you for joining me on Black Hair in the Big Leagues. You're, You're so an lovely. amazing woman. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me and just celebrating so many of my heroes and inspirations. And and you are now one of my crown jewels of human beings on planet Earth. You are so beautiful. You radiate so much light. Thank you for doing this and sharing with all your fans. So thank you. Oh my goodness. All right. I'll talk. Thank you so much. I'll talk (laughs) to you later. Yes. You guys can find me on Instagram at crystaljoybrown or at thekjb.com. All right. And that wraps another episode of Black Hair in the Big League. Y'all, I'm so honored to have such great guests on this show. And if there's somebody who you want to listen to, please drop me a note on my Instagram at Salisha Thomas or at Black Hair Podcast and slip into those DMs and let me know what you want to hear, who you want to hear from. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast, rate it, leave a review, tell a friend, follow us on Patreon at Black Hair in the Big Leagues. Y'all, I'm so grateful that you are part of this community. It would not be the same without you. (laughs) Shout out to Wilton Music for producing my theme song, Love COD. Shout out to Colin Tabor for editing this episode and most of these episodes. And shout out to you for listening. Y'all, my heart is so big and I feel so grateful. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Black Hair in the Big Leagues. I'm your host, Alicia Thomas. See you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.